0: Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm your host, Annie, and today I'm joined by Hugh Jones of Royal DeBoer. If you've ever thought of upgrading or implementing a ventilation system, you wanna make sure that it pays for itself at some point. After all, cool cows are happy cows and happy cows add to your bulk tank. Today, Hugh is going to dive into the core principles needed for a ventilation system, all while keeping ROI in mind. So thank you so much for being with us today, Hugh. Let's start off by having you introduce yourself and giving us some of your background.
1: Hi, Ani. Yeah, so my name is Hugh Jones. I um, uh, work for Royal de Boer uh, within the, in the Netherlands, um, formerly a VES Artex. Obviously, uh, VES Artex and Royal de Boer merged companies, so um, I moved across with that merger. Uh, I worked for VES Artex for just over five years, it's getting onto my sixth year now. Uh, before that, I was a, a poultry farmer uh, in the UK. And uh now my current role in uh Royal De Boer is the ventilation specialist for um their markets, which mainly are Europe, uh as well as some other eastern eastern uh countries like Ukraine, uh Turkey and some other ones further the east.
0: Wonderful. Well thank you again so much for joining us. So I'd like to start the conversation out with some of the basics. So what is needed for good ventilation in dairy barns?
1: Well, so obviously one thing that's really important to, or to the company, to VES Artics, to roll the ball, is that we're cow-centered in terms of ventilation. So everything really needs to revolve around that cow. So all the decision-making processes based on the ventilation really need to be made with a cow in mind. Um, so it's a very much cow-centered approach. Um, in terms of aspects of good ventilation, I guess it comes down to sort of three points. Um, firstly, it's air exchange. So getting fresh air within that building, getting an air exchange so that we're replacing air in that building, replacing moisture, replacing humidity, replacing noxious gases, ammonia and everything else that in between. So it's very important that fresh we get fresh air to cows because at the end of the day, a cow is a fresh air animal. Secondly, um, we try and focus uh, effective kuma velocity at the cow level, isn't it? So making sure that that incoming fresh air into the barn is getting down to that cow at a velocity dependent on the climate which she's in. Obviously, in summer... Our, our aim is for a high velocity somewhere near that two meters per second and then in the winter time it's more so a, a slower velocity just exchanging out her bed making sure she's breathing the best air she can and then the, fa- the final sort of um, aspect of it is some sort of ambient temperature drop whether that be temperature drop of the cow or temperature drop of the air around the cow so we do this through a couple of different methods one being soaking so physically soaking the animal mostly done either in the holding pen or the feed lane and then secondly climate dependent we um, use high pressure fogging to enable cooling of the air so um, those three sort of things are, are a good starting point in any ventilation system regardless of where you are in the world uh, what climate you live in how big your barn is if you have those three things you're making a very good start
0: absolutely so are there any telltale signs when you enter a barn that air exchanges maybe aren't as ideal as you would like?
1: The best way to tell if air exchange really is not what it should be, is using your your senses, isn't it? Obviously, your sense of smell being the main one. Um, I sort of always say to my customers, if they come out of a barn smelling like cows or like um, manure, there's an air exchange problem within that barn. Other than that, there's if the barn is particularly bad, you'll notice sort of your eyes watering um even just the even just your sight isn't it understanding where like where a cow is choosing to stand, are they choosing to stand? like close to the edges of the barn, where it might be fresher, depending on if it's a naturally ventilated barn or not. Are they standing towards the ends of the barn? Like Cows will always choose to stand within the freshest air or lie within the freshest air. So that's really a good telltale sign of where, of, I guess, what is happening in the barn in terms of air exchange.
0: I think it's a really great way to describe if you walk out of the barn and you don't smell like cows, your ventilation is doing its job. So, earlier you mentioned evaporative cooling by soaking lines. How can this be as effective as possible?
1: So, obviously, um, soaking lines is a really good method in terms of cooling cows when temperatures get really close to that cow body temperature. So, it's important to remember that fans will only work when air temperature is below that cow's body temperature. So this is when we have to incorporate soaking into the system so that we're, we're, I guess, artificially making the cow sweat um, or making them think that they are sweating. So I guess there's, I see it as there's sort of five points within a soaking system that really need to be done to ensure its success. So firstly, it's automation behind the system to ensure human control is kept to a minimum. So, you want the soaking lines coming on and off in relation to temperature automatically. So, typically, the way they work is that they're on for a set period of time and then the off time is relative to the temperature. So, you may start at one minute on and 10 minutes off at maybe 22 degrees, or sorry, you'll have to apologize, apologize, I don't really know Fahrenheit that well. Um, And then maybe at 30 degrees, that on time will still be one minute, but um, that off time potentially could be five minutes. So the automation is a very critical point. I guess secondly, the um, the spray size um, coming off the nozzles is uh, rightly important. So we want to ensure that when we're soaking these animals, we are well and truly soaking them, isn't it? So it's getting to the skin completely. Um, as well as that, um, Spray angle is important. We need to be making sure that we're hitting the, the cow her, all the way from her wither to to her tail, basically, uh, just to ensure we get the maximum effect as possible. Um, one thing I'd probably like to go back to is probably spray size is really important because it. if you have too fine a spray, it can almost have a, a negative effect on cow cooling versus having a larger spray, a, a larger spray will always... Uh, cool that cow because it's getting to the skin if you're using a fine spray what will happen is that the, um, the water will rest on top of the cow's hair and act like an insulation layer so potentially you could be heating that up heating that cow up versus cooling her down um, a few other things sort of um, it's always better to have like a preventative approach in terms of soaking, ensuring that if you're going to install soaking lines, make sure you use them at a relatively low temperature That in terms of like sort of about 22 degrees. They're a brilliant way of cooling cows. They're a brilliant uh, addition to your heat abatement strategy. So we need to make sure we're using them to their full potential. Um, and I guess the last one is sort of understanding that Soaking typically works best with airflow, isn't it? So when you soak them, it's important to dry them as well. So understanding that potentially we would we would need to look at installing um, soaking maybe on uh, uh, the feed line, sorry, soaking and fans on the feed line.
0: That's a lot of really great information on cooling cows um, via soaking methods. But where should someone even start? when wanting to hone in on their barn ventilation. There's a lot of great information that you've provided, but sometimes that can also be a little bit of information overload, right? So are there any key areas to really focus on to get the most bang for your buck?
1: Yeah, I guess like it's important to remember that um, the holding pen is basically where you should start on all farms, basically, isn't it? Um, obviously robot farms are slightly different but holding pens are that critical point on the farm where you get every cow in a small meter squared um three twice or three times a day isn't it so if you ventilate your holding pen potentially um you might sort of solve part of your major problem with heat stress um obviously um when you said bang for your buck that's basically what it is isn't it you're ventilating every cow three times a day for a fan over a fan system which is fairly minimal compared to a barn um i guess when you enter the barn it, it, if you were sort of looking for like an evolution in terms of ventilation not a revolution um i, be, I guess the best place to start is always that lying space isn't it so depending on your cl- on your climate the lying space slash robot area, depending if you're a robot barn, is the most critical uh, place within that barn, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, they should be lying there for sort of 13, 14 hours of the day. And coming from a general European climate or European perspective, um, typically if you're ventilating the lying place, she'll get up, go to drink, go to feed, but come back, isn't it? Um, There has been some... uh, sort of systems installed where they ventilated the feed line first and uh lo and behold sort of they um they go feed they they like the feed line but they don't go lie down um so i guess to summarize the barn it would be in my mind it would be lying place as a a starting point soaking on the feed line secondary and then fans on the feed line as a as a final um, addition
0: i think those are three really great Great starting points, um, especially as someone realizes that they need some help in the back of their barn in terms of ventilation, but need a little bit help on knowing knowing where to start. So, what are some of the metrics that you analyze on a farm to help them to determine maybe what their ventilation ROI might be?
1: So, obviously, the main two is are going to be reproduction and milk production data, isn't it? So, those are the two really strongly strongly related uh, metrics in terms of heat stress and its effect on the farm um, but obviously when we're analyzing a farm's potential uh payback period what we typically look at is firstly milk price obviously that's going to have a massive effect uh on the um the payback period the number of cows obviously so understanding how many how many kilowatts how many. Uh, Cows are we ventilating per kilowatt, I guess. The kilowatt cost, obviously, um, in some climates of the world, electricity is becoming a a major concern in terms of its cost. So we need to be making sure that we're, uh, I guess, being as efficient as we can be. Uh, kilowatt cost, again, like milk price, is the one thing that will have a, a big effect on your um, your payback period. Um, Then in terms of the cow data, what we try and look at is um, herds milk production on a a per cow basis or on a per day basis to understand where then peaks and where then falls within the year. Understand the pregnancy rate data. So just looking at um, typically preg rate is the metric that we use. Understanding really what are we seeing in summer in terms of either um, failed pregnancies or failed conceptions. Um, a cost of one day open this is I guess a a figure within the industry which is highly debated Uh, but it's important to look at really what is that cow costing the farm when she's not uh, pregnant obviously after her voluntary waiting period Um, an average days in milk of the herd is quite important to look at um, understanding really what's happening in terms of where the cows are in their lactation. Um, the reason I put this in there is because on some data, I saw that the milk production per cow w- was staying fairly flat through the summer. Uh, and obviously it led, it led me to think, why why are these farmers wanting to install fans? What, what's the reasoning behind it? And it was actually the, the days in milk were actually uh, dropping in the summertime because the previous summer they weren't serving cows. And in the autumn, they started serving more cows, and then obviously that following spring, uh, spring slash summer, they had a lot of early lactation cows coming into the herd. And the other cow, the other cow data metric I sort of look at is the percentage of the herd within first lactation, because obviously, first lactation cows tend to have a, uh, a little bit less um, impact uh, in terms of heat stress. Um, so in terms of like reproduction like conception rate they seem to have a better conception rate uh, through heat stress versus sort of the second third fourth fifth lactation cows so it's important to look at if that if that herd's expanding what percentage of the herd is in that first lactation and then i guess finally it it comes down to the cost to the farmer isn't it it's it's brilliant to say that heat stress will save you money but it's also going to sorry curing heat stress is going to save you money but it's also going to cost you money as well so understanding what income over feed cost the farmer has so obviously it's it's really important to remember heat stress cows eat less so if you cure heat stress your cows are going to eat more which is going to cost you Uh, the cost of equipment so yeah the installation of the fans and purchase and then um, cost of uh, kilowatts per year so Actually, looking at a weather analysis, understanding how much the fans going to actually cost you per year um, to run, based on a variable speed um, calculation, and then um, finally, uh, as the maintenance hours, isn't it? So we we've, we've got to take into account that somebody has to maintain the equipment that we put in this barn. Uh, fans are like anything on else on the farm; they do need maintenance, and uh, well, biannually ideally. So typically, at the end, at the end of um, sort of autumn time and then sort of springtime would be the most beneficial.
0: There's there's clearly a lot that goes into figuring out your running costs and figuring out really how you can have these fans essentially pay for themselves, right? So this all sounds really great. So are these kind of goals achievable and how do you help the farm analyze that?
1: So um, through our... Uh, Vet- veterinary team we came up with a sort of a calculation um or calculator as it were to um, help farmers really input their own data and understand um it'll, basically it'll come out with a high improvement uh payback period and a low improvement improvement payback period so that's internal vesr Artex and our rural debor so um it's very important to us that we're treating every farmer as an individual. um, It's something that we've really tried to stay away from uh, just giving a general payback period, like to every farmer. Uh, We really want to go into detail with that specific farm to understand really what's happening and what we can do to solve it.
0: Absolutely. So truly what is payback on barn ventilation now and what could it be?
1: Um, so I'll be honest with you. Our payback calculator is very much um, heavily weighted towards milk production and reproduction. Um, some of the areas that we want it to be um, is uh, going into other aspects of heat stress and what it causes. The the main three off the top of my head I'm thinking of right now is understanding um, dry cow cooling and its generational impact. So understanding. Um, if you cool your dry cows, what impact does that have on her lactation, but also her her um, offspring's lactation? So actually putting numbers to that. Um, secondly, uh, and probably most importantly, I, I want to sort of assess how much of the herd's lameness is due to that heat stress sort of in that fall period, how much of that extra lameness is due to heat stress in the summer and actually putting a cost to that. There's a lot of data out there to just, to suggest how much a, uh, a lameness occurrence costs that farmer. So I think at the next stage of the lameness calculation is to understand what we can attribute to heat stress and what costs we can put behind it. Because um, obviously, I'm sure that a lot of farms will see that spike in like uh, soul ulcers or uh, like claw horn lesions um, within that sort of uh, sort of september october time um so actually putting a cost on curing that so if we're sort of getting cows to lie down or getting cows more comfortable with good ventilation and lameness goes down what is the farmer saving because of that and then finally another area that we'd like to try and get into is understanding the effect on calving pattern and what an uneven calving pattern really costs the farmer whether that be like added pressure on the calving facility or the newborn facility. Is your calving pattern uh, causing you to overstock transition facilities? Is it causing uneven uh, group sizes, uneven total milk production month per month? And as we get more and more into robotics uh, across the world, we we, we want to try and look at... um, the effect on heat stress and cow flow within AMS systems. So, like I said to you before, about people not serving cows in summer, and then the autumn comes, they serve a lot of cows, and the following um, sort of spring to summertime, a lot of cows come into early lactation. How does that affect robot flow, isn't it? Because obviously, the ideal scenario for a robot is that you have an even calving pattern, so your your days in milk still stays relatively flat. So um heat stress can cause that to um to spike, isn't it so those are the some sort of some area some areas where we'd like to improve our payback uh, calculations
0: no absolutely and i I think this really goes to show that you know you're not just adding some fans to your barn there is so much more that is going into it um and really helping your barn um improve productivity, reproduction, and as you said, everything to do with your lameness, um, cooling your dry cows, and those calving pattern influences. So, I think there's a lot more that we definitely could get into with this conversation. But I think I think we've had a really really great conversation just based on the basics of having your ventilation pay back. So. Since we're at the end of the conversation, I do have one last um, question that I have been asking each of our podcast guests. Um, And so I would like to know what an animal-centered environment means to you.
1: Um, Like I said to you before, it's um, everything, every decision that the farmer makes really needs to be within the, the cow's best interest, isn't it? So even the smallest decisions to the largest decisions, it's always got to be based around that cow. And I guess my... In my role in terms of the, the ventilation specialist part of it is when I'm talking about a system or talking about a uh, potential installation, uh, if, if the dealer or if the farmer asks me any questions about the system, my answers should relate to that cow in some way. Um, and that's sort of my, my own definition of what animal centred is in my role.
0: Absolutely. It all relates back to the cow. So thank you again so much, Hugh, for your time and sharing your insights on how to select a ventilation strategy for proper payback. So thank you again to everyone who listened to this episode of Dairy Intelligent, and we will catch you in our next one. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm, or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.